Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy in Leadership podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. In this podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices on leading teams, creating and executing strategy, and fostering the culture within an organization that works. My guest today is Catherine Sherlock, who is the founder of HireMindfulness.com. Catherine, how are you today? I'm great, Anthony. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. You know, I feel very relaxed right now. We got a breathing exercise getting started, so it's really cool. But maybe uh, since we're now we're connected, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and a little bit about HireMindfulness.com? Yes, for sure. Thank you. Um, higher mindfulness is about, it's, it's sort of like the next generation of mindfulness. It's like taking it deeper, but it's not just mindfulness. It's taking your awareness deeper. And it's about, it's for leaders. It's about deepening your self-expression, deepening your leadership, bringing yourself into greater coherence and alignment, and also distilling your essence. It's really about distilling your essence and coming into more and more of your potential. And you, I mean, you talked a little bit, alluded to it. But, you know, why is mindfulness, why is greater intuition, why is greater awareness important for business owners and leaders? You know, as much as we like to pretend otherwise, we are emotional beings. And having awareness of, of those, not as a negative thing, but as a positive thing, changes the game. It, it, you can't change unless you bring awareness. That's the first step to changing. So... Delving in and being able to question different aspects, understand your real motivations, that gives you power over your life. That gives you choice. It gives you freedom because otherwise you're just on autopilot. It increases your ability as a leader to think clearly. So I'm very much about thinking clearly and developing your capacity to think well. Without that, all the rest of the stuff you're working on, you know, whether it's conflict management, whether it's you know, engaging your team, whatever else, you need to start with being able to make good decisions. That's the first thing. Absolutely. Well, one of the reasons, I mean, Catherine, as you know this, but one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show today is, you know, in, in, in the life of a, of a consultant facilitator and, and going to a lot of different boardrooms around the world and talking to executives, you know, there's a lot of demands on them and it's so easy to get swept up and be reactive to all of the things that pull you in each directions, whether that's being in a high paced startup, whether that's being in a, in a boardroom when you have to make important decisions or whether that's having to turn off or even pause your work life to come home to be able to support your, your, you know, your family or your spouse and all of those things at the center of them are like your being or your brain and how you act and how you react to all of those situations and all the demands on yourself um, really impact your quality of life. So as much as we like to talk about the practical aspects of strategy and, and, you know, how to become a better leader from a quote unquote business perspective, I thought it'd be a really neat uh, opportunity to get a different perspective in terms of mindfulness, in terms of um, what it takes from a, from a brain capacity and what our listeners can do better in terms of their own emotional well-being, their own like mental being to be able to deliver things to, to their people. So 
you know, given that context, what would you say are some of the things that are most relevant to senior leaders that have high demands on their focus, on their energy, and on their time? What I'm looking at is really entering a different quality of living and working. There's so much going on right now with burnout for for CEOs and for leaders. And I think there's really important things to become aware of, to know. I mean, first of all, you should know what burnout looks like. Because one of the things that happens is you undergo stress, you adapt to that level of stress, and that becomes your new normal. And then you undergo more stress, and you adapt to that level of stress, and that becomes your new normal. And you, ha- you don't realize how far you drifted off your, your kind of your center, your best place. And that's happening for more and more reasons. You know, certainly we could, t- we could go down the, the issue of like food and health, that kind of piece. That's a part of it too. But there's also with our technology, you know, we used to function quite differently before we had the kind of cell phone on us all the time. Where if you were, for example, were driving or standing in a line, you know, waiting, you kind of daydreamed and you allowed your brain or your brain would just move into a deeper, slower state. So if we look at the brain states from beta, alpha, theta, you might move into a theta state just because you're kind of relaxed and you're hanging out. But now one thing that happens is instead of just relaxing, instead of just hang out, you pick up your phone or you send another email or you do that. And there's no downtime. So there's no time for you that your brain goes into these recovery states of like theta is a recovery state. Alpha is a recovery state. It tends to stay in beta. And also you, st- you lose connection with yourself because instead of that quiet moment where you would start to hear that kind of deeper wisdom coming from yourself, you're focused outward and you're focused on these other people's opinions. And that also disconnects you from self. So it's just like this go, go, go. And we're damaging ourselves. We're damaging our brains because we have to have those recovery states. Got it. So, you know, to paraphrase, employees, senior leaders, continually pushing themselves, adapting to this new level of stress, which, you know, just makes it seem like a new normal. And then presumably gets to a point because they're not getting that rest because of just like the way technology is and the way lifestyles are, we're constantly stimulated, not getting that alpha, not getting that theta state for their brains. I mean, basically doing damage to the central nervous system, whether they know it or not, um, because of just like the way life is. So how as a leader or how as a human being, can you recognize when you're in burnout? And, you know, if you are in burnout, or towards that trajectory, what are some things that our listeners can do to minimize burnout and maybe even reverse the effects of, of how it's impacted them? So you do need to, to that, that's where the awareness comes in for one thing, because you are getting information from self all the time. It's information that's meant to help you. And what happens with, especially with like type A people and leaders is they're, they're not paying attention. They're not listening to themselves. And they're just pushing all that aside and they're just, you know, go, 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 go the same way they've always gone. But there's a time when it doesn't work anymore. And there's a time, and especially if you want something deeper, if you want a deeper kind of leadership, if you want like a conscious leadership, 
the same things that got you to this place of success are not going to get you to the next level. So I'll give you an example. We spend a lot of our, our life kind of proving ourselves, trying to prove ourselves. And it starts pretty early on in the school system. You know, and a lot of leaders actually have something in their background that they overcame. And it really pushed them to become, you know, really successful and incredible people. And yet there's, it's like, there's a, it's like the, the, there's a timer on it that kind of runs out after a while. And that kind of motivation, that's, that's kind of a negative motivation, isn't as powerful as moving to a positive motivation. So when you switch up and you change and you start, stop going from trying to prove yourself and you instead function from inherent worth, that's a game changer. That's a very different way to operate. And it's the same with the kind of sense of belongingness. We're all looking for that sense of belongingness. We tend to look for it externally. And the more you start to look for it internally, the more you develop it internally, it changes you because now you're much more stable. If you're, if you're counting on belongingness as an externality, then you're always, it's like you've built your foundation on shaky ground, right? At any moment it collapses. But if, it, if you change the conversation and you change, you look for it internally, that's a different experience. That's a different life experience. If our listeners are wanting to be able to, you know, transform that leadership style away from one that is externally driven or, you know, I say like proving themselves versus like an internal locus in terms of their leadership, what can our leaders do so they can like sort of transcend that state and elevate their own leadership to be arguably more effective? What are some things that they can uh, actively take on? Well, for one, I think, you know, taking that time you have to take the t- to make the space to listen to yourself and take on practices that get you into deeper brain states. It can be like a shower for the brain. I mean, meditation is obviously powerful, and yet the way mindfulness is taught, I, d- I don't think it's the best approach. I-, I personally think that you should start with what your goals are, and then develop your practices. And it may be one or more meditations because what you need to realize is. Although the media kind of talks about meditation as one thing, it's actually many different practices. What you want is practices that deliver you the results that are in alignment with your goal, with the ways you want to grow and be in life. It doesn't have to be a meditation practice either. There are a lot of other ways to kind of calm your nervous system. Doing something that you love, making sure that there's enough time that you really do something that you really love. Spending time in nature. We could do a whole podcast on that, on the power of nature. You know, I know of some research, for example, that followed a man over 10 years as he meditated. And I think it was a woman. I followed a woman and she would go out every day and sit at the edge of a meadow. And she had more brain changes from doing that activity than the meditator. So, you know, not just accepting meditation, but actually kind of diving in and actually, you know, looking at the different practices and understanding them better and understanding them, what the brain states are, what the different, what the different outcomes are. You know, if you want creativity, that's going to be a very different meditation than if you want focus. That's one thing. And also, I think sometimes meditation, especially meditation on the breath, can be very mental. And having something that brings you into your body. So I can give you a really good breathing 
exercise that really helps you kind of connect with more of your subconscious, more of your, that kind of deeper knowledge. So it's very simple. It's just basically you're exhaling twice as long as you're inhaling. So if you're inhaling three seconds, you're exhaling six seconds. If you're inhaling five seconds, you're exhaling 10 seconds. And, and the thing about it is you can do it for, you know, if you've got a couple minutes, you can do it and you, you, it will take you, it will take you back. It will take you into calmness. It will calm down your nervous system. One of the things is when we're anxious is we breathe in our upper chest and we kind of forget to breathe as well. So the breath is a really important part of just kind of bringing you back and calming down your nervous system. And you can for two minutes or five minutes and you're going to find a complete difference. So if you're listening to this podcast in the car, and you're on your way to work, <laughs> coming back from work, you say, okay, be mindful of your breathing and um, see what it does to your heart and notice the body sensations as it impacts the brain. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast. Keep your eyes on the road, though. And keep your eyes on the road. I was going to say, should people do it while they're driving or not? But, uh, well, you know, those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, I'm a pretty energetic guy. And then Catherine said, when we start the podcast, can we do a breathing exercise so we can get, you know, reconnected and, and get grounded? And I'm like, sure, let's do a breathing exercise. And we took three breaths. And all it took were three breaths for me to, like, get calm, get relaxed, focused on having this conversation instead of, you know, all the gajillions of things that I have on my own to-do list. And I share that because really it was so powerful that the time that it took, what, 10 seconds to take three breaths or, or what have you, that changed this entire conversation it changed my outlook presumably it'll change the impact of my day that took no time at all and so one of the reasons again having Catherine share about this is that it's so uh i think it's under utilized and under talked about is the work that we can do on ourselves to reconnect to ourselves because I know that, you know, the people that I talk to are really, really stressed and we spend so much time, you know, if you're going to a seminar, you're going to a class, you're doing whatever, you're trying to learn the, the hard skills. But often, you know, the only person that's left at the end of the day is you. So if you can recover your brain, if you can take some time to slow down your heart, if you can develop a practice for yourself that will allow you to be more full from an energy perspective, from an awareness perspective, from a connected perspective, it costs no money. You don't have to go ask for a budget for it. And it'll make a really big difference in, I, I believe, your effectiveness as a leader, but also your enjoyment as a human being in the work that you do, which then gives you the capacity to, to contribute to other people and, and be a leader for them and be able to listen and be present and be really able to hear what, what people are saying. I have another thought on on the types of practices, but Catherine, just getting back into there, you know, we talked a little bit about avoiding the burnout and uh, reconnecting with breath as a means of recovery in terms of mindfulness and the practices that you've seen, you know, what is another maybe underutilized tool that people can can take in to develop their leadership and develop their connectedness? Yeah, I'm going to talk about a big one in a second, but I just wanted to mention that, you know, you asked me at the start you know, one of the questions is why personal development in the workplace? Why is that important? Or why mindfulness? Why awareness? But the thing is, your quality of life is based on the quality of your relationship to yourself. Because you don't have control over anything else in this life except that. 
So that's really important. And I was going to say, you know, that, that breathing exercise that we did at the start, that's something that leaders can use with their teams. You know, when you start a meeting and everybody's, you know, rushing to get there, taking that, that three breath moment and just being there, you know, as opposed to that, you know, that kind of runner, the, the running around that's in your head and going on. So you wanted to, you wanted to say what, what else? And I, I think this one's a big one. And it's where I differ from a lot of people. We have a world in which we've been taught to kind of treat the self as enemy. One area is our emotions, especially our uncomfortable emotions. We look on them as bad. We are taught to suppress our emotions. The problem is not the emotions. The problem is the suppressing of them. First of all, it takes enormous amounts of energy. You can think of like a, trying to keep a beach ball underwater in a pool all the time. That's kind of what it's, the energy it takes to suppress your emotions. We, f- we fear them, and it, there isn't any need to fear them. They actually are bringing gifts. They're actually just coming because there's a part of you that needs your attention. And once you learn to listen to them, and not just listen to them like, oh my gosh, how quickly can I get rid of this thing, but really digest them, that takes away that inner struggle, that inner turmoil. And the other thing is that there's, so there's a bunch of pieces like that. And one of them is our ego. You know, you hear people talking about their ego all the time and struggling with the ego. But what you've done, or what we have done, is taken a part of ourselves and made it the bad guy. And imagine if we did to a child what we do to this part of, parts of ourselves we call our ego. Imagine if we made the ch- a child the bad guy all the time. You know, every time they showed up, we were criticizing them and looking down on them and saying how bad they were. You know that child is not going to grow up to be healthy. And I don't, I think it's the same way with us. I think we need to stop making pieces of ourselves and parts of ourselves the bad guy. That's what self-love is. That's what self-compassion is. And they, they are essential parts of that kind of inner growth. They are essential parts of being a leader because when you develop self-compassion, then compassion for others just rolls out. You're not relying on willpower. I'm not a big believer in any, any kind of training or development that relies on willpower. Yes, for sure, sometimes we have to use it, but I prefer that it's, I prefer to find ways that we develop naturally and these things just come out of us. If you listen to people talk about their ego, in fact, this is a good exercise for the next little while. Listen for people to talk about their ego and listen how their voice just drips with contempt. It's fascinating, actually, and it's worrisome. So one of the things I was asking, I was like, okay, well, how do I look at that? And, and I guess being aware of the self-talk or being aware of how one talks to oneself. And then you said, well, don't do something that relies on I can't remember the word exactly what it was right now. Oh, will, Don't rely willpower? on willpower. So then I'm like, okay, well, checking self-talk sort of relies on willpower. So is there an exercise that our listeners can do so that they can be more aware of, of that dialogue going on internally? Sometimes meditation can actually take you away from awareness itself, particularly the way meditation on the breath is currently being taught. Um, there's this idea that, you know, you, you're, you try to be in the present all the time. And that's a mistaken idea. Um, our consciousness is really, really complex. You can't be just in the present because 
there are different levels of, of consciousness. There are different levels. There are all these different kinds of things going on. If I'm busy on the computer, my, my brain state's in beta. I can't access the informa- same information as when I slow and go into theta. There's a lot of different information that comes in both. Um, and so what you want to be doing is using just kind of using that awareness to instead of trying to be in the present, which is a very kind of rigid thing you're trying to do, and actually sometimes has created um, issues like a fractured consciousness for people, you know, after they've done it for a decade. It's a, it's a misunderstanding of what mindfulness is. It's like people try to um, be aware of everything around them, you know, like the hum of the air conditioner and the all the noise and whatever. It's like, whoa, that's not what I want to, what I want to be using my awareness for at all. Like, but that's just going to wear you out. That's just going to be hard work. I can compare it to the way we used to look at landscape. So there was a time when we lived on the land and there were, you know, there were dangers around all kinds of potentially animals that could come and attack, you know, whatever the, the dangers were. We had to be really aware of a kind of like a wide scope of the landscape. So our ancestors would have kind of relaxed into like this wide view of taking like this wide view of the landscape. And then when something came up, when something specific came at them or they were, you know, maybe gathering some food or they were hunting, then they would kind of focus in on that one thing. But if they weren't doing that, then they would allow themselves to relax to a wider view of the world and see the whole landscape in front of them. Now we don't do that anymore. What we do is we're mostly focused on those things that are really close to us. Um, You can see it because we're having eyesight problems because of the more and more eyesight problems because of that, because we're keeping just that one view. But you can also add that metaphor to the brain so and to kind of the relaxed state. When you're, for example, in a meeting, instead of being in kind of like this tight, tight focus, you want to be able to sit back and be in this relaxed state that allows you to take in much more of the world and also doesn't use up all your energy. And then when you need to go to a task and you need to go, you go, you know, you focus in. And then you go back to that relaxed state that allows you to take more information in. Interesting. I relate, I relate that, you know, taking a broader, wider perspective on things, similar to how Bruce Lee says, you know, if you try to grip water tightly, then you lose it all. But if you hold your hand open and create like a cup and give it some space, then that's what like keeps the water. But if you close your hand and try to grip it, then everything goes away. And I think that, you know, the parallel between, you know, the minds of people is if you have to try to control too much stuff, then it takes so much energy and then it escapes. Whereas if you create space around it, provide space for it, then you have, in fact, a greater control. And, um, you know, as we as we finish up here, you know, what I heard from everything that you shared, you know, the breathing techniques, the taking time for oneself is, you know, relating it to how as a manager, or as a leader, you may spend the majority of your time checking in with your people, you know, having the pulse of the culture of the plan or monitoring or just checking in. But you know, what I take away is that, you know, how much of that time are we dedicating to checking in on ourselves to seeing how we are doing so that we can have the capacity to be able to do it. But you know, we got to put your mask on yourself first before helping others, which has come up a couple of times in our in our podcast here. It's really about 
being mindful, whether that's meditation, whether that's hypnosis, whether that's breathing, so that you can uh, really take care of yourself and have a healthy relationship with yourself. And then you'll be able to have a healthy relationship with your people and your, and your team. For sure. I think the first step is you have to be the leader to yourself. And one of the big questions I, I mean, I'm big, I'm a big uh, lover of questions. And one of the ones I really like is for myself and others is where am I not being a leader in, in my life right now? Where, what place am I not being a leader in my life? And leading yourself first, you know, starting everything. If you're going to have compassion, then start it with yourself. Where am I not being a leader in my life? So I challenge all of our listeners and you do your, you just, you don't even need to do a 360 review. Just take a look at yourself and, and check yourself and say, where am I not being a leader in my life and see what you can take on in that regard and where can you uh, connect to yourself at a deeper level so that you enjoy both the work aspects of life and then the life aspects of life. Catherine, where can uh, people get a hold of you? Um, they can check out HireMindfulness.com. And I'm doing a, a uh, survey on the inner challenges that stall leadership. You said that you would generously add that. And I'd love if people would fill that out. You can fill it out anonymously or you can add your name and email. But for some people, it's personal. So if that's the case, you can definitely fill it out anonymously. Fantastic. Thank you, Catherine. And yeah, like Catherine said, put that survey um, in there. And, you know, really take a look at HigherMindfulness.com, transforming leadership from the inside out and really helping you as a leader have a richer quality of working life that's more fulfilling and successful and fun. Let's not forget the fun part. So, Catherine, thank you so much for, for being with me today. It's been a pleasure and I really appreciate you uh, sharing your insights with our listeners. Thank you very much, Anthony. My guest today has been Catherine Sherlock, who is the founder of of HigherMindfulness.com. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor with the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and until next time. If you're getting ready to lead the strategic planning process yourself, be sure to check out our strategic planning toolkit. It has video walkthroughs to guide you through each step in the planning process from vision to action planning. We'll also have workbooks and downloads to document your plan and best practices to help get your team bought in so the plan gets executed successfully. You can get instant access to all the tools, all the templates, and all the downloads at smestrategy.net slash course.